Ah, good evening. It's one of our rare evening sees the days. Yeah, Jim. Jim and Winston. Yay, Jim and Winston. And uh, it's yeah. our, our March episode. March, yeah, and 15th. 15th, lucky 15th. We're even getting more high-tech, eh, Jim? Using this new, right. brand-new microphone so you can get stereo on both sides now. <laughs> For your listening pleasure. <laughs> so... We've got some new stuff to talk about this this episode. Um, Jim actually introduced me to this cool series on Netflix. For those of you who have Netflix, uh, it's called the Kindness Diaries. It's like a whole series, right, Jim? You want to tell them about, a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, gentleman Leon. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name. I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, you know, quite a quite an interesting guy. He uh, was a broker in London, and we assume made lots of money. Mm -hmm. And uh, he got a little burnt out from that and decided he wanted to find kindness in his life. So after, I think he moved to Los Angeles and and he, he decided he would go try and go around the world on the kindness of others. So he had a motorcycle and uh, it's got a sidecar. He calls it Kindness One and he takes off heading east across the United States and has some interesting adventures there. Or, uh, you know, gets to stay with a Scottish fellow in, um, oh, I think it was Las Vegas. No, it wasn't Las Vegas, but. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, it was, it was a small town. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and uh, you had, a, you know, an unbelievable experience there. And, and he makes his way to, I think it was Pittsburgh, not positive, And he ends up meeting up with a asking a, a homeless guy if he could stay with him. And the homeless guy said, well, I, I don't have a home, but you can stay where I stay. So he bunked out with him on the curb for a night and ended up making it to New York City. And Kindness One got a free ride. At, well, <laughs> Kindness One got a free ride on a, on a ship over to Europe. And we'll let the rest of our listeners figure things out from there. Yeah, I, I thought it was from... Um, um, from a referral point of view, like Jim had watched the whole series. I think you binge watched the whole thing, which was great. Um, and it's it's somewhat addictive. You watch it and you, out of curiosity, and you have to be in the right mode for it. If you're looking for an action flick that night, that's not what it is. But if you're looking for something insightful, um, maybe goes well with a glass of wine, sitting back on a Friday Friday night. And you that, just wanna... That's exactly how we binge watched it. Yeah, <laughs> I can see how you could do that because you you get out, you start out early in the night. And you could easily watch like five episodes in a row, just because you it's it follows on each episode, right? And I like how you with um with Netflix, at least you don't have the the commercials and interruptions that way, right? But yeah, it, flow, it flows really nicely. You know, I think the episodes are in the twenty five minute uh, amount of an episode. So you finish one, you can take a break and refresh your beverage and or get a snack or whatever, and head back to it. Yeah, I, I liked how not only does he give, but he also gives back. He, he, not only does he take or receive, but he also gives back. So he'll meet people along the way, and then he'll also, um, uh, if there's ways that he can give back to people that do extraordinary things for him, then he tries to give back in his own way as well. I thought that was deep. Yeah, it, it was, and, and uh, it goes really full circle, and it happens in the last episode, and I'll let you find out. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen that part yet. So yeah, no, that's cool. Um, we we're just talking about that because it seemed kind of like a, a neat um, premise, you know, to, you know, kind of leave things be behind and count on the kindness of others and see how far you can get in life. And it, I mean, 
it, it sounds simplistic that everybody would do this, but if you think about it, if you're if you meet a guy on the street that you don't know and the guy asks you for a place to stay that night, most people would have their guard up. Maybe they've had a bad experience, or maybe they don't know if this person's psycho. <laughs> you know, it takes a lot of of um, of faith actually to allow somebody into your home, right? With that you don't know at all, right? Yeah, exactly. There's uh, there's a lot of skepticism as to you know people's motives for doing that that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But he, he, you know, in the kindness diaries, he's pretty upfront about what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? He doesn't doesn't hide that at all. Right, right, right. And you know, uh, it, it was. <laughs> I'm going to use a word that we've used perhaps in the it, in the past. Uh, we had a bit of serendipity that that night. Um, just a local free paper had an article about uh, a restaurant in, in Cranbrook that. Um, is part of the suspended coffee network. Oh, right. Yes, I looked up a couple of them too. That's pretty yeah, cool. Tell so, them about that. Yeah, that's so cool. The suspended coffee idea is that um, if somebody needs a cup of coffee or you know a, a meal or whatever, that people can make donations and they can just come in and get a free cup of coffee or a bowl of soup or a full meal, whatever they need at the time. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's just based on the fact that you know if you have if you have a little bit of uh, you know fortune in your life that that's a way to to share that fortune you know anonymously which is is for some people especially those asking you know maybe a little uh, protects their self-esteem a little more oh yeah okay that's cool. yeah so yeah we, we we were really uh, really impressed with that idea next day popped in and made a small donation and, and think it's a it's something that we'll do from time to time just because there's folks out there that that you know are maybe a, a, a little bit unlucky at that at one point in their life and that that sort of place is is a good good thing that they know is out there for them yeah that's cool man wow deep <laughs> It's always interesting talking to you, Jim. I never know uh, in the month that you know we've been we, the gap between the time when we do these, um, uh, you know, pod talks, um, where we come to. Like we end up um, have, absorbing different influences throughout the month, whether or not be videos we've watched or books we've read. And then you know, it always surprised me with something different along the way. Just you know, just little thoughts and tidbits that that make me think a little bit. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's a two-way street, Winston. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Um, I, uh, you know, I was telling you before we started this podcast that I was um, thinking hard the last day or two about who we keep in our life, right? Um, keeping people in our lives, and and you know, it came to mind when I was reviewing my Facebook friends, um, and I don't use Facebook all the time. I just use it periodically to share, you know, whatever articles I find or whatever. I don't put too much personal stuff in there because I think that. There's too many trolls and type people out there that, you know, are just, you know, like kind of um, outside looking in, right? <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I figure the people that really know me know what's going on in my life anyways. But I don't mind sharing jokes and things like that that are cool on that link. But, you know, what? one thing that's happened over the last um, two years or so is that originally when people would request, um, make friend requests, I would just... <laughs> Oh, well, you know, I kind of know them from somewhere, so I just accept them. And then I got it up to like 350 
uh, people. And then I started realizing how many of these people out of this list do I really care about or vice versa, right? And then I decided that one day I'd go through a purge. It's almost like a diet. It was a Facebook friend diet, right? <laughs> I went through the bunch and I started weeding through the ones that, you know, I think they might have been nice people, but, you know, we don't share a deep enough connection for them to know that much about my life or vice versa. So I started weeding and in one day I eliminated 100 people, right? And then... Um, from that, then I eliminated uh, another 50. And then most recently, I'm down to like 100. And I thought like 100 is still a lot of people. But the thing is that I'm getting I, I'm, it's really hard to narrow it down beyond that because there's just some of them are pretty close ties, right? <laughs> My goal isn't to get down to one or anything. <laughs> no, no. And, you know, we with friendships, it, it comes in different parts of our lives. You know, when we grow up, we we were probably very, very close with certain people. And, you know, as life moves, we move in different directions and all that. But, you know, that friendship is still there. Right. And then, you know, every every time, you know, your your life takes a little bit of a turn, whether it's geographically or um, employment-wise or whatever, you know, there's obviously the potential shift in who that circle of friends could be at the t a certain time in your life. It's not good, bad, or indifferent. It's just what it is, right? Right, and and I'm not being critical of other people who yeah. have like thousands of friends on their elite on their yeah. on their thing. I mean, they might serve it just for a business purpose too, right? That's fine. But I think that there's a persona that it should be business versus personal because I I see that sometimes there's a competition to try to have as many friends as possible or something. And I I'm not that type of person. I just want I only want meaningful relationships at this stage of my life, right? And so uh, often I've had requests and I, it's not that I don't want to accept them. I just figure that is this, you know, somebody that I know well enough to want to share my day to day with. And sometimes they're, you know, their acquaintances more than their like close friends. So I just basically decide that, you know, I'll, I'll have a professional relationship with them on LinkedIn instead, you know, so they can connect with me that way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and for platform. Right. Right. And I mean, still stay in touch that way. But, you know, the, the reason why I'll, I bring this up primarily is because. I just started started thinking about um, um, you know how how important it is to kind of watch our influences. Like you know when when our kids are growing up or when you're around young people, you always tell them to be careful who they hang out with and, and all that's influence. But then I think as we get older, we um, we open up the filter quite a bit. So part of it for diversity and to try out new experiences, right? Um, to sort of like be open minded and and. Um, and just kind of see uh, what's out there in the world. And I, and that's rewarding too. You know, there's certain people that maybe um, aren't from your town or in your immediate demographic that you benefit from, from having an open mind, right? But, you know, when I was thinking about when you were talking about um, in that article you sent me about the 5x5 five five rule and then the, the 525 rule, which I'll get, let you talk about, um, that kind of made me think about um, focusing on the things and the people that are most important to you. Yeah, that's certainly what that five by twenty-five is about. Is is uh, is realizing what's uh, what's important or where you want to go, as opposed to you know trying to fulfill things that are uh, something you you'd like to do, but they're on the dream side more than the the actual pursuit side. And and, and James Altucher. Who wrote that article? You know, says 
you know, he went through it and he's disappointed that he'll never become a, you know, popular stand-up comedian, but he had to let that go. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, so, you know, so, you know, if that's, if, if that, we keep that as an example, if that's your, your passion, then obviously you maybe start doing things that put you into that opportunity or, you know. Yeah. And, what, what, yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, you can't um, spend all your time on too many goals in some sense because it, it disperses the laser, right? You can only focus on so many things at one time, right? And part of that article that you sent me was talking about list the top 25 things. Is it the 25 things you want to achieve or 25 things that you um, you're, that are important to you? I can't remember now. Well, I'll tell you in a second. Yeah, let's see. <laughs> let's see. Oh, it says list the top 25 things you most want to accomplish in life. Okay. Yes. And then now take, now take now the top, take five. top five. Yeah. Move and them then, over here. Right. Take the bottom 20 and move them over there. The top, those 20 are still in the top 25 things you want to do. Yeah. So they're special, important, but never, then the rule is never look at those 20 again. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm going to put a little bit of a caveat to that. Yeah, me too. I think that's a bit extreme. Well, what if you accomplish one of those five things and that you no longer need it? Right. I mean, it's time and to maybe, on. maybe one of those things is to achieve something or whatever, right? So you've done that. Mm -hmm. you, you can go back to your list of 20 or. Maybe you made a mistake on what one of those five things was and it didn't serve you well. So Agreed. You know, I think to put a rigid fence around it is is probably not that valuable. I think it's a little short sighted that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think that if you if you really did do that and um, only keep to the top five out of twenty five, your life would be a bit bland. I think human beings have a little bit more ability to multitask or achieve multiple goals, you know? You know, yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, I had an experience in a workplace where um, the person at the top looked for a person cut from a certain cloth. Mm -hmm. And if you fill a building of all the same things, um, you know, I, I'll, I'll use a, an example. If you know. If you fill the building with accountants and accounting isn't the only work that goes on, you're going to have some failures. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's right? too narrow focused. That's right. Yeah. So in one analogy I heard, what, what something I heard from, it was actually from my guitar teacher. He said he knew a guy that was in business and he was a very detailed oriented guy and he wanted a business partner that was a very holistic thinker. In other words, saw the big picture. So that one wasn't always looking at just the big picture, but one wasn't so focused in on some detail that they missed some other details or, you know, the purpose of doing something. So you, you need both the, the detailed-oriented person to, you know, because the devil is in the details at times, but you need the big picture person to know where to put those details in what perspective yeah so so you know you, you, you i think to to build an organization or i i even like to to look at it this way you know if you only socially hang out with a certain type of people you're, you're going to miss a really interesting diversity to life 
Yeah, and you know when I read the article and it talks about um, how you know um, keep an eye on the five people that you hang out with type of thing, right? And I, you know, I I'm not saying I beg to differ. I'm just saying that um, there, there's an assumption that that the people around you are so influential that their their thinking uh, affects your thinking. So therefore, it either drags you down or lifts you up. And then he has a joke in there, like stand next to the cl- the smartest person in the room. Well, that's yes. great, but that that uh, gets a narrow focus. That um, of the five people that you pick, that you're me- you're measuring their worth based on a their wealth, b their intelligence, or otherwise. Sometimes the truest friends you can have are the most down to earth people that you can find. And sometimes, uh, depending on the individual that you are, you may be looking for other qualities in your life that make it fulfilling, other than than um looking for um let's say a leg up or a a catapult by surrounding yourself with very successful people like i've i've been in scenarios where i've been in business mind groups where um there's very successful people around me but you know there's a certain creature comfort of um hanging out with friends that just like you for who you are with no no uh um preconceived notion of how you how they can benefit you in any way you know what i mean like there's no um you just get getting together because you know you care about each other and you have a good time but i can see where the angle is that this whole society is driven towards achievement a lot of times and either professionally or or even spiritually in some ways like there's also a hierarchy that way but what i i'm thinking of is that um i also have a lot of faith in, in humankind and individuals to know the difference between uh who we take our influences from even if we, let's say, for example, let's say you're in a small town, a coal mining town or something, right? And there's only five people around you that, you know, within your, in your friend circle and you don't have the ability to leave that town. Well, that doesn't mean that you're destined to just be a coal miner. I mean, you could be the greatest author of all time if your world that you see is within your mind. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, you brought up a whole bunch of really interesting things there Winston and one is you you brought up the word success right and and you brought it up in a in a business group right so success you know within that group would more than likely be one that one of the major parameters would be uh, financial right but that's not everybody's definition of success I agreed and I think that's a narrow narrow definition too so if you look at a country like Bhutan, mm-hmm. they have a principle called gross national happiness. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Cool. And they, they could, you know, they're, they're in the Himalayas, they're narrow valleys. They could easily um, throw up a couple dams, generate a bunch of hydro and do extremely well. And their GDP would go absolutely through the roof. But if they were to do that, they would flood sacred lands and sacred structures and all sorts of things. And it means too much to that population to gain fleeting wealth. So they prefer to be happy and let that water just flow. Right. So they're, you know, they definitely have a, a little bit of a different perspective than, say, um, the United States with a guy like Donald Trump, right? Running the ship. Right, right, right. 
and, and I, you know, I don't put a bad light on him. I'm just saying he's he's pretty focused on one thing. <laughs> yeah, I right? agree. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's it's just, and it goes back to something that that uh, I believe I saw in a Deepak Chopra post, and it, it it went to say that when people challenge your core values, don't be offended. It should make you think. Hmm. I like that. You know, so, um, and and that's maybe why some people do get offended when their core values, because their their belief system is is maybe shown to not be as sound as they thought it might have been. Right. Right. Yeah. I see where you're getting yeah. at. Yeah. So you know, it's just it's just uh, be be open to differences. Yeah, and I mean, be wary of over influence as well. I mean, I, I'm not saying that if you um, if you surround yourself with negative people on an ongoing basis, that's good for you or anything, right? Um, but I'm just saying that um, there is a certain amount of challenge in your life uh, and conflict is actually healthy, so that you know you're not only ascending um, in, in a protected field, um, so that you don't get outside influences to even challenge your own beliefs because I think that one of the worst things to do is is a life unexamined because once you when you're narrowing your focus on anything to the point where you're not um, meeting a diverse group of people keeping your mind open um, and actually looking for opportunities to really uh, think about things outside your regular um, uh, circle you're limiting your growth from a standpoint of um, personal growth and also uh, perspective for example I'll give you a case in point I a couple years back I took an acting course and you know I'm not I don't have any um, you know uh, <laughs> I don't have any kind of uh, um, reasonable uh, goal to become a, a, a an actor I just wanted to try it for fun and I signed up for this course and um, what I found was that um, you know, it was a very interesting process, but it wasn't something that I would probably do on a regular basis. Um, in that process, though, I did find out like, um, you know, different groups of people that I normally wouldn't have even been associated with because that's their interest, their main primary interest. And a lot of them were lifer type people that want to make acting their um, their career. So when you're around a group of people that are very focused and, and um, serious about acting, it changes your focus from um, taking it casually to taking it seriously because now you have to respect the group that you're with because they're taking it so seriously, right? So in that way, they influenced me to see, sort of appreciate the craft. But at the same rate, um, had I only decided to associate with the professionals that I normally do on my day-to-day -day basis and not step outside my box and associate with new people, I wouldn't have had that experience and I wouldn't have the perspective on how difficult it is to be an actor. Yeah, um... I mean, now I kind of, in the work world, the last well, little over 10 years, it's mostly a white-collar environment, um, some blue-collar guys, you know, around or people around, um, but, you know, a lot of what I do deals in a, you know, kind of a, just a different level, and, and you know, I, I had a blue-collar most of my life you know, up until 48 other than a few, few stints in, in, uh, doing some stuff, uh, you know, maybe three years all told or whatever. And, 
there's something to be learned from the working man. You know, they have a certain joie de vivre that I don't know exists in the professions so much, mm-hmm. right? There's, you know, they, they, they work to live. They don't live to work. Right. So, so, you know, there's, there's a, you know, a certain desire to, to have maybe a, a little bit more on the experiential side, but that's, you know, not always the case, but you know, it, it's, it's just a, a completely different perspective in so many ways, politically, um, uh, priorities, you know, things like that. Right. So it, it, it it's an interesting, um, um, difference of environments. Yeah. I mean, I think where we're going with it is, is primarily to just to, you know, to challenge the 525 rule and also the 5 by 5 rule where they talk about um, in the article. I'm not saying that there's not good validity to it. I mean, part of the 5 by 5 rule is that you you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So that would include probably your spouse, maybe immediate family or close friends, um, and, uh, and how that on a regular basis uh, may influence your thinking or your behavior or other things like that. But underneath all that, um, I still believe that if you're if you're mindfully moving forward in your life, you have a choice about what influences you allow to influence you as well. Yes, and and I, you know I think when you meet people that challenge your core beliefs or present new ideas. Mm-hmm. Or new philosophies, or you know, however you want to put it. You know, there's a number of different ways to describe it. I don't think that's by happenstance. Mm-hmm. I think those are learning opportunities that sometimes we don't always recognize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and so you know, we're not bashing the the article. We're just questioning certain things, and I think that being aware of it, actually reading the article, made me think about this a bit, um, and. Um, I like how it continues on. The 5x4 rule also includes that your health is the average of the five foods you eat the most. Your 5x5 rule also includes the mental state is the average of the five things you think about the most. And your creativity is the average of the five works of art you spend the most time trying to read or watch or understand. Um, your ability to be loved is the average of the five things that you most do that are lovable. And that's that's quite a... Um, a five by five rule. <laughs> There's five things to think about, right? Um, if for the creativity, the average of the five works are art uh, of art that you spend the most time to read or watch or understand. I think I'll just go take a quick a trip to Indigo or Chapters and buy the smartest books I can find. <laughs> <laughs> I'll check. check yeah, out if it was only that easy. Yeah, yeah. Mental state is average of five things you think about the most. Hmm. Boy, I gotta start pinning up some like reminders on the wall there, right? <laughs> um. Yeah, that that smartest book thing. Uh, oh, a long, long time ago, during a you know poor economic time in the eighties, mm-hmm. you know, was without a job uh, on EI, and a friend friend of mine was in the same boat. You know, we were we weren't that old. We were you know twenty three, twenty four, something like that, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, we had lots of time on our hands, and it was the cold dead of winter, and he he buys you know we're in the bookstore, walking around the mall in the bookstore, and he decides he's going to buy War and Peace. 
Oh wow, <laughs> that's a big book. I bought lots of time. He says I'll have this. I'll have this read <laughs> month. Oh god, yeah, okay. I said to him, "I bet you a pint you don't." <laughs> <laughs> so sure enough, we're out having a beer about a month later, and I said to him, uh, "So, have you finished the book? <laughs> Get past the first chapter," he said. <laughs> so, <laughs> just. Just because it's a deep book doesn't mean you're going to have success with it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. If you got all the scuba gear, it doesn't mean you're going to go diving. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, but the intention's there. I've yeah. got I've got a set of golf clubs in my um in my shed that I still have have intending to play more often. <laughs> um, I think I could play more often if I could play better. But I guess I could play better if I played more often. <laughs> well, let let's just see what. He uses golf as a as an example on the one percent rule. Okay. So the one percent rule: if something compounds at one percent a day, it will be thirty-seven times better in a year. If something loses one percent a day, it will be zero point zero three percent of what it was in a year. If I want to get better at golf, I should try to get one percent better every day. Then, in a year, I will be thirty-seven times better. Well, I don't know if it's quite that true. <laughs> Yeah, agree. Definitely, if you if you practiced every day, I don't think there'd be any doubt you would improve. Mm. And I, I think that's the gist of that, right? Mm-hmm. The next one I really like is the "what I liked as a kid" rule. So, list of things you like when you were six, eight, ten, fourteen, mm-hmm. um, and list a, at least ten things. Well, geez, I don't know if I liked ten things when I was ten, but. and then if you do this every day eventually you find what you want to do as an adult wow so you know if you still like what you liked as a kid Mm -hmm. today he's saying that that's what you meant you're meant to do as an adult i don't know all i really wanted to do as a kid was you know play whatever sport was in season and cruise around on my bike and go swimming and i still like those things (laughs) Yeah, that hasn't changed. I don't think I'm going to make a living at them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one percent rule is pretty funny. Um, what we liked is a kid rule, plus minus equal. To learn anything, you have to find a plus, a real or virtual mentor who can teach you. Equals people who can challenge you, and minus people who can teach because teaching solidifies learning. Um, yeah, I guess that if you want to break it down into an equation, sure. Um, you know, everyone is irrational all of the time. This is interesting. Uh, people are programmed by their upbringing, their genetics, their education, desires of the people around them, and their cognitive biases that date back millions of years. Uh, no way to fight through the jungle of bias to come with rational behavior. Um, um, what this means is it's no use assuming people will be rational towards us. It's no use fighting for strong opinions. It's no use telling people what to do or using rational arguments to get people to do what you'd like them to do, even if it's to treat you nicer. Uh, This is the argument for living by example, even in life. Show and don't tell. Hmm. So, I mean, I can see where that philosophy is coming from because maybe it isn't a fruitful use of time to try to convince people to do things a certain way. But I also believe that you also train people to treat you the way you want to be treated, too. Um, like by willing by your willingness to accept certain things, like there's a bare minimum of what you're willing to accept, because otherwise you could be surrounded by people who really are callous and treat you poorly, right? 
Yeah, exactly. I, um, I don't think you should be a walkover or somebody who can be stepped on. So as much as um, is no use assuming people will be rational towards this. Okay, yeah, we don't have to assume that people are going to be rational. But I've seen situations, you know, Jim, where where um, people are irrational to certain people, but yet if you use a different approach, that person will be very rational to you if you know how to approach them. You know what I'm saying? Yes. You know, and, and it's like the situation is only different because of the approach used. So I think there's like, you know, you can... Um, you can attract more, you know, flies with honey than salt, I suppose. Um, but I mean, I, what I'm, I guess this whole roundabout way of saying is that um, I think it's important to challenge philosophies because I, I think a lot of times people read a book and they don't question it and they think, wow, it's published, so it's got to be right. And then you hear about all these, these fa false assumptions people make over time, you know? Yeah, and... I, I think the best thing I can say about this article is I enjoyed reading it. Yeah, me too. I mean, it, and, it definitely challenges you. Yeah, and that's the, it makes you think, and that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Do I agree with everything you said? No. Do I agree with a few things? Yeah. Do I think a few things are worth trying? Absolutely. So mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're never going to take something for 100%. Take what serves you and leave the rest. Mm-hmm. Like this is this one was interesting. I like this part. Bring the target closer. You know, he he credits yeah. Tony Robbins for uh, doing target shooting and bringing the target closer so that everybody could hit the bullseye. And then um, I like this example. He said a friend of mine was overwhelmed. He had a job for a commute, a wife, a family, but he wanted to write a thriller. Seems overwhelming. How can he write four hundred pages with all this responsibility? So every day on the train to work, he wrote a few paragraphs. In two years, he had a thriller that went on to sell a hundred thousand copies. Now he's a writer on a major TV show. Break the problem down into smaller parts, list the parts, break those parts down, list them, do one thing. You just brought the target closer. And I, I do agree that, you know, a little bit each day will get you closer to your goal, right? Um, it takes you eat an elephant. Yeah. Yeah. One at a time, right? Yeah. And it, it requires a bit of discipline and passion yeah. and goal setting. I agree with that. Um, um, I'm not saying that it doesn't work for anybody, uh, but I'm just thinking that there's also a momentum that has to be felt too. Sometimes, you know, you can, like, just like, you know, when you watch The Kindness Diaries, you could binge watch like a whole uh, series of them because it's in the right momentum. But, you know, I don't know if it would be that easy to, to schedule every day on the hour at seven o'clock to watch one episode, right? Yeah, that's, that's the beauty of, I think, of that, um, way to watch television is hmm. it suits your schedule you don't have to suit its schedule right right i mean for me I, if i'm going to write something it has to be inspired and i mean the doing it on a regular basis is good because it builds upon each other i agree with that um and incrementally every little thing you do um helps but i think that ultimately it has to suit your personality so i think it works for um some people and um but yet I think that there's other aspects where you can take into account that you can achieve some goals by focusing on them and just going for it in a short span rather than dragging them out for a long period of time as well. Again, it's just another food for thought on the article. So we're getting a lot of meat out of that one. Oh, yeah, yeah. We beat that one to death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny. Ah. Oh. 
So, so, so funny. Like the, the last thing I can see as I scroll through it was that this line where he says, nobody cares if you're at the party. I always think if I don't produce every day, people will get upset. I get upset myself, but people care only when you have something great to offer. Nobody cares when you mess up. Everyone messes up. Nobody's ever thinking about you. They're all worried about what you think of them. Create something good, then come to the party. <laughs> Which is kind of interesting because I, this week I gave my daughter advice. She's doing a presentation and I told her that don't worry about what other people are, are thinking when they're watching you present because she had to do this business presentation because they're not even thinking about you. They're thinking about what they're going to present. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, if the group has to present, they're, they're thinking about you insofar as it affects them. Like if you mess up, they're going to, oh, I hope that's not me. Or if you do well, it's like, wow, she was so good. Then, I, you know, I better up my game. Right. But it's all relative to themselves. I mean, I think 95% of our thinking is about ourselves more so than other people. <laughs> And uh, I mean, putting everything in context, what your daughter is doing is a presentation mm -hmm. in, a, in a somewhat public format, mm -hmm. the words classmates, right? Mm -hmm. But there's only one opinion within the classroom that matters right? with regards to why it's being done, and that's the person grading the presentation. Right. I mean, in her situation, there's peer uh, evaluation as well, or fellow teammates and other people too. Yeah. But what I, I said to her is that if you focus too much on what other people are thinking, you lose track of what you're thinking. And it takes away from the magic of presenting because, you know, ultimately, what you're trying to do is convey a message. And if, if you're easy to understand, then the message is going to get conveyed. If you get too wrapped up on being too precise or remembering your lines or remembering things in order, it kind of takes away from what you know. And I think important important um, thing for people is to focus on what you know and communicating that idea rather than saying it in exactly the way you planned it to be, right? Yeah, I I think sometimes we 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 get so concerned about the thoughts of others. Mm -hmm that we missed the point of why we're doing something. Yeah, completely. And right. Like, you know, our, our 15 episodes of this uh, pod talk, although we don't have a massive, massive following, they're lost, right? Um, <laughs> I would say that the biggest um, thing that um, that's great about what we do is that it's not scripted. We really just have a few um, notes and things that we talk about, guidelines before we start, before we actually you know, start the talk. And that's what makes it makes it cool. Because yes, sometimes our episodes are a little bit disjointed in certain episodes, but it's real, like we're not going back editing it or, or revamping it, we just post it raw as is as if you're talking with us, right? And, you know, your idea to to start this um, evolved out of the fact that we this is the type of conversation that we would have. Mm hmm from you know just from being friends living in two different places and uh, having an ability just to connect in uh, you know on a Skype platform or over the phone or whatever right mm -hmm. so um, yeah yeah so we're, we're, we're just sharing what what we usually do when when we uh, socialize yeah and so basically their listeners get uh, a, you know a, a glimpse of the fly on the wall to sort of yeah. get a taste of what what we talk about uh, may or may not be exciting for them, but hey, it's free. <laughs> so, <laughs> no complaints there, right? You gotta get better value than that. <laughs> you gotta get better value than that. Yeah, we're we're streaming it live, brother. 
but the book's gonna twice the price. Yeah, I, I'm always surprised at what we come up with every time. You know, it's like you know, maybe we're more surprised than anybody else. <laughs> but I always think it's valuable stuff. And then let's see. Oh, hey, let's talk a little bit about one of the books we both read, The Four Agreements. But, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so, what's your take on the Four Agreements, there, Jim? Uh, the way it's written, it's really, really, really kind of out there. <laughs> yeah, but I know. It, it pulls you back in, you know, at the end of every chapter. You know, be impeccable with your word defines the the root of the word impeccable to be without sin. So don't use your words to hurt somebody. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's basically telling you, you know, like be careful what you say. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, overly gossiping about someone is not a valuable thing to do or something, you know, um, lays down some guidelines there. Uh, you know, it's really somewhat common sense, but also, you know, fine tuned common sense at that. Mm-hmm. And, um, the next one is um, don't take anything personally. And, and you know, and saying basically, I think that's talking about be careful about taking things personally because you're heading in a narcissistic direction when you do that all the time. Mm-hmm. It's not always about you. You know, it's it's and you you can't control others and what they think and say and do. They're, they have their vision and perspective, and you have your vision and perspective. Right, exactly. Yeah, and um, there's a little bit of congruence in that with uh, the last article we talked about there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I found and, it a little bit too extreme to myself. I mean, it's good stuff. I mean, it's definitely food yeah. for thought, but, um, you know, I just find that it's a little heavy. Yeah. And the third agreement is uh, make no assumptions. Mm. Uh, And I think this could potentially be the most valuable of them because we we shouldn't be trying to figure out what someone else is thinking. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of energy put into assuming what someone is thinking. It, yeah, exactly. It, so, you know, if if we could actually do that, we wouldn't worry about having jobs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and the final one, always do your best and recognize that your best is different every day. Right. Yeah, that, that's not an unreasonable thing to ask. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great, but there's days when you just, you look at the clock and it's like time to go back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I say some of the best days that have turned out for me are the days that I didn't try to do too much. In fact, a lot of studies have actually shown that if you start off the day already in a bad mood, you're better off going to bed than going out to work. I mean, there's no there's no cause for it to actually uh, call in call. In, there's avenues to call in sick, but it's hard to call in bad mood, right? <laughs> but. Um, People just assume that you're you're able to handle that, but the reality is that if more people wouldn't go to work when they were in a bad mood, I think there'd be a happier world. 
Uh, yeah, but you need money in the bank too, so sometimes you have no choice. <laughs> yeah, well, that's where. Yeah, you, you should balance that with a sick day, like sick in the yeah. mind. <laughs> well, you know, we sick days always have a have a physical connotation to them, right? Right. And I mean, if you're completely and totally mentally worn out, mm-hmm. how is that any different than than uh, you know? fighting the cold or the flu, you know, there's you, your, your brain isn't going to be very productive. You probably need to do something different, sleep or get some exercise or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think that we're, none of us are recognizing the need to, to, um, touch up the mental health once in a while. Right, right, right. Yeah. I, I tell you, Jim, I think we did well on this episode. We gave uh, people their value, you know, right? We seized the day once again. <laughs> you got it, Winston. <laughs> well, buddy, it's always a pleasure talking to you. We're always bridging the gap across the across the globe just by doing our pod talk. And I, I mean, if no one else is listening, we are. <laughs> yeah, it was a pleasure. Yeah. Well, that that concludes our March episode, 2017, uh, episode 15, I think it is, uh, Jim. And uh, I think we did rather well. Yeah, it went great. Yeah, I think this had a nice flow too. I must say the last month we were a little shaky, but we're just warming up in the beginning of the year, you know? Even the uh, car needs to warm up a little bit. Mother Nature was beating us up last month. Yeah, it was heavy. We were both pretty yeah. tired. Too much snow to shovel. <laughs> but I can see the hint of spring, you know? And it's uh, kind of nice to kind of get to a different uh, climate now. Uh, yes, absolutely. Well, let's sign off and say goodbye to our listeners then. So see you next month there, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> Have a great month. Don't forget to seize the day when you get the chance. Yeah, seize the day indeed. All right, take care. See you later.